I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Welcome back, Geoholics. Thanks so much for listening. You've heard us talking about it for weeks, Trimble Dimensions. And uh, having spent three days in Las Vegas last week, all I can say is we had an amazing time, talked to some incredible people. This episode is a collection of interviews with a number of Trimble influencers. So sit back and enjoy these thought-provoking conversations. All right, we have Scott with us. Much better. There we go. Yep. Let's do a real quick self-introduction. Just give us your name. Okay. Who you're with, what you do. So I'm Scott Crozier. I'm with Trimble Inc. Uh, I'm Vice President for a Geospatial Division, uh, looking after survey and mapping products. I've been with, honestly, in the geospatial industry now for three whole months. Three whole months? Three Whoa. whole months, exactly, yeah. So well, I, a veteran. I, a veteran, that's right. I got, <laughs> I got a lot to learn, but what I have learned is I know I've got a lot to learn. Uh, so okay, okay. All right, you don't know right. what you don't know. I don't know you, what right? I, I love that one. That, that yeah. theme has come up a couple times on the show. Yeah. Absolutely. That is so true. But I did have 20 years in construction prior to this, so I got a little yeah. taste of geospatial. Um, and you've been with serving. Trimble for how long? Uh, 24 years with Trimble, um, yeah. and it started as a mechanical engineer, so. Okay, my, oh, really? Uh, yep, mechanical engineer. My, my first experience actually of the survey community was at college, we would go down, we would be the engineering school, we'd go down to Dunedin, Otago University, yeah. and play against the survey team. So oh, it was wow. a, a fierce rivalry between the engineers <laughs> and the surveyors, but a, well, lot that, of fun, a lot of fun had afterwards. That's very interesting because I'm a, I, my degree was in mechanical, but I'm a licensed civil engineer, and I spend this podcast all with surveyors, so we are constantly going at it. I mean, I always still win being, you know, on the engineering yeah, side, yeah, but... Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to make a comment here. <laughs> it's just because engineers are much better arguers. Yeah. That's sure, I, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously with that accent, you're from the deep south, right? About as far south as you can go, Christchurch, New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You can go yeah. a little further, and that's Dunedin, New Zealand. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 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 So uh, what brought you over to the States then? Or when, uh, when was that about? Yeah, so 2012. 12, uh, okay. I, I came over to the U.S. Um, actually, it was after a... A tour of duty, I guess, in China. I spent two years working in China on the high-speed rail, um, nice. with a joint venture we had over there with China Rail. And um, after two years in China, my wife, kids, we weren't ready to go home, back to New Zealand. So yeah. we're like, you know what, is there some other opportunities within Trimble? Yeah. And we saw a role come up in the construction team as a product manager in Colorado, and so signed up for that. I thought it'd be two years. 10 years on, here I am. Love it, love it. So it seems like everybody I have met that works for Trimble is just happy. They're happy working for a company like Trimble. Talk a little bit about the, the Trimble culture. What does, that, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that you state that actually culture is everything. Yeah. And um, I know in any team I've been a part of, um, culture is not just something you talk about. It's not something you can demand down. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's created by everyone within the company, right? And there is a real passion for what we do. There's a real passion for the technology. And I think most of all, there's a real passion for our customers. And it's that customer interactions and relationships that, that drive the love of what we do. And, and we hear some phenomenal feedback from the way we've changed lives, you know, customers' lives, you know, um, made their lives easier. Not just about making money, but it made, made their lives more easier. Uh, more enjoyable, and so yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a real close tie to the to the industry. 
Got it. So you're fairly new in this role, like you mentioned. Um, I'm sure you had to probably, I'm assuming, go through an interview to get this position. And maybe one of the questions is, what are your goals and objectives in this position? What what are like what are your thoughts as far as that goes? So, the, yeah, there's, there's a there's a big a big drive to bring um, a focus to vertical workflows, right? And there is, we see, surveying and mapping is a little bit of a horizontal that feeds into just about every industry, and so there's a focus moving from the specific product portfolios to the workflows that we need to serve, and so coming from construction, it's all about the the, the entire workflow there, right? So, but there's more than just the construction industry that we serve. So coming in and trying to figure out how we get into these markets, mining, tunneling, uh, infrastructure management, asset management, um, and of course construction. Um, it's an opportunity for us. Um, I, I would also say that technology is evolving from um, point solutions and point measurement mm. to rich reality capture, and then making the reality capture useful to others is kind of a challenge of technology at the moment, and that's, that's yeah. something honestly that excited me the most. Yeah. Uh, re- you said the magic word is reality capture. Yeah. Yeah, we love that term. <laughs> would you say that's the biggest challenge that you face right now is is taking that as a point base to that rich model reality capture? I would say the big data, management of big data mm. is the biggest challenge. We can capture it today all day long. Mm. Interesting. And then, and then we send, you know, multi-terabyte files off in the post to be processed. Right, so it's not ideal. There's got to be a way that we can make this information available more readily. Yeah. So everyone doesn't have to manage and store multi-terabyte files back and forth. Exactly, right? <laughs> yep, yep. So. Yeah, well, we were talking to somebody earlier on this same topic. Like, they've got to develop a way to uh, file compress yep. this data and make it that much easier to handle. Because, like, the computers can't keep up with the data at this point. Can't keep like up you said, data. we can collect as much data as we could possibly want, but how do we manage it? Yeah, the collection's not the problem. It's the yep. processing of it, the managing of it, the sharing of it, everything that goes along with it to make it usable. Yeah, yeah. So what about some of these, you know, kind of newer ways of collecting data? Pretty exciting stuff happening there. There is, yep, and and we have constant innovation around ways that we can make it easier and, yeah. um, you know, I mean, if we just look at the basic GNSS receiver, collecting a point, who would have thought 20 years on, we're still talking about trying to improve the way we capture a point, right? Yeah. Um, but yet, that's where some of our biggest innovations have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll see, well, you, you, you will see progression from that as well, where a GPS receiver goes from catching singular points to mm-hmm. multiple points. Um, you'll see it where, if you're under complete canopy, I mean, we work pretty well in trees today, we work on oh, angles. Yeah. It's going to evolve beyond that as well, where you could go beyond, um, canopy and inside terrain for short periods of time right and yeah. uh, basically capture points anywhere you like yeah so I'm curious is there is there something that's coming that you know obviously you can't talk about because it's in the super secret lab but is there anything that you're working on that you could give us a hint that was really cool on a on the on the technology side that maybe we haven't talked about yet or isn't even in this convention room yet well, I, mean, there's, there's, I know i know super secret <laughs> there's i mean there's all elements right we we're here i personally for me i think we have, we, we want to be as open as we can about everything we do on the construction side we've been working on autonomous machines for a long time we're only seeing them kind of just start to evolve now we've, we've been showing them actually at this event here dimensions for four more <laughs> years oh yeah and, yeah and we still haven't got some of them into the market yet right yeah. so this is the effort it takes but what i would say is um it's all about sensor fusion. It's ah. 
bringing, it's not one piece, one element, one, one, one little piece of technology, it's bringing all these pieces together and putting them into a usable format. Um, and so yeah, take, take a GPS receiver with, with some SLAM capabilities, you see SLAM on the, um, yeah. on Spot the Dog, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You start to piece these together and now you've got a mobile positioning device as opposed to a GPS receiver, a total station or a scanner. Mm. It's a mobile positioning device, right? Um, but then the key actually is the, is the usability of that data. We'll get there. That's no problem. I think for, I see bigger challenges in man- management of that, that that data that we're capturing. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember the VTN uh, from many years ago. It, it, yes. it was a, a Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With the camera source. all the way yeah, around with, it. With, yeah. With, with, with we have one. You have one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we still have one too. <laughs> but but I mean, this is one of these innovations that was ahead of the time because yeah. it, was, it was the workflow was not appropriate to manage that data um, yeah. to get the information out of it that, that people wanted. So interesting. You'll start to see things like that actually make a reappearance, I imagine. So it was almost ahead of its time. I think it was ahead is of its time. Is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Huh. And there's, of course, there's like, you know, the wearable scanning devices that you have now. And um, just, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Um, what else? Mm, I don't know. My mind's kind of swirling right now. I know. Well, you just walk around here and your <laughs> mind starts swirling. There's yeah, so much yeah, going exactly. On sure. um, so how would you describe your, your leadership style? My leadership style. Um, and let me ask you: How many yeah. people are you leading in this new role? It's close to a thousand. Okay. It's a plus or minus a few. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a good it's a size small team. army. Yeah, it's it's a good <laughs> it's size a small team. Army. <laughs> it's a good size team. I mean, we can get some stuff done. I mean, I, I honestly see myself as a servant leader. I like to. I have a role to play it. in a team, but I see it as a team. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've had people that work in in a hierarchical structure and like that style probably think I'm a little bit crazy about <laughs> really about how I'd prefer to kind of operate yeah. Um, but yeah really big on team culture I come up growing sports and I say it all the time I'd rather have a star team or an all-star team than a team of stars any day mm. and it was the same in sport it's exactly the same in business mm. I, li- I like that I like that quote yeah but it's interesting you say that because I think we've had several uh, folks that have been in, in leadership positions and a common theme is they are servant leaders. They are our team first people. Like we very rarely have, you know, guys in, in your um, echelon, I guess you could say that yeah. are like, oh, I like to do, I like to be the, the point guy and then everyone else below me can just kind of deal, right? As, as you scale your business, you soon learn you can't make every decision. Right. You've got to build the trust and have people make decisions for you. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to be uh, constraining, constraining what, the team. Would you say that that is a change? Like, so we, you talked about the, the culture at, at Trimble, and you know, obviously, it's a great culture, great company. Is there anything that you are building to or adding in, you know, in this new role to that culture, or are you kind of picking back uh, what's what's already in place? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, for me, culture really hard for one person to completely transform the culture, at least overnight. Uh, I, th- I think I can um, pick up on the pick up on the strong points, the, the points I see value in, and then try and you know dilute some of the points, the, the areas of the culture that I think are, are weaker, but obviously, in general, the team had a strong culture anyway, right? Uh, okay. I can bring a little bit of enthusiasm, I hope, some, some new experience, some new ideas, I can challenge uh, some of the guys or some of the previous thinking. Right. Um, honestly, it was, it's been left in great hands. I'm taking over a car that's, well, you know, a, a business that's running uh, pretty damn well, so that that honestly scares me a little bit. It's like putting another coat of wax on a really nice car, and you're like, man, this thing is shiny. Exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of where the challenge is at the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so what do you think is your biggest challenge as far as uh, reaching your goals? Well, I, the, I guess the biggest thing in my new in this, in this new role is actually um, managing the sales team. Mm -hmm. um, in the past, I've grown up with you know more on the product side as an engineering. That's where my focus is. Mm -hmm. um, the, yeah, the sales team is an area where I have to learn, and, and, and how do I motivate the sales team, incentivize them appropriately, and that kind of stuff. So, I think that's that's my biggest challenge, my biggest uh, area of new learning. And I, I actually learned um, how tough it is to sell. When I first started as a mechanical engineer developed a guidance system for a tractor and it took me six demos and three years to convince my father to buy <laughs> a system that his own son had bought so, right. so, uh, built. so I barely could sell to my father so, so, so there's obviously some challenges that I'm working through yeah yeah for sure and what would you say is one of the biggest challenges maybe in your career that you faced that you've uh, you've learned a really valuable lesson from Anything stick out at you? Uh, man, I, I would say, I mean, public speaking is something that is a, it's, it's a, it's a skill that's hard to learn. Some people seem very natural at it, but, yeah. but what I've learned is those people that seem natural have actually really worked hard to get to that, right? Yeah. So I think that was my biggest challenge, um, coming from an engineering perspective, to sure. wanting, to, wanting to be in front of people, right? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say that, that that's been the biggest challenge. I, I would say also collaboration, getting. Oh, yeah. um, people with two different opinions to come together and converge on a solution. When you can achieve that, man, it's uh, it's incredible what can be achieved. But when you get people stuck fighting over something where it doesn't, either one of the answers is right, right. Uh, that's that's where I see the biggest waste of effort. Uh, what, uh, what's the most exciting thing about this event or what are you most looking forward to? Obviously, this is a big I, deal for you and, and, and your team. Yeah. Um, what's the, or I, I guess, what's the highlight you, you see Maybe already been through, or are you looking forward to? Well, the highlight for me is is just meeting people, meeting customers, dealers that we haven't met for so long. The conversations, you know, even just like this, right? Yeah. Right. Um, where you get to chat through. It's no longer, you know, we've spent three years working virtually, Zoom calls, and that. You lose all context. Uh, you don't build the rapport with people, and so for me, it's it's just getting to spend time face to face, one on one. Um, and then, of course, I love the offsite, getting out in the field and the dirt and uh, getting on machines, so I'm yeah. going to make sure I get some time over there tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so you mentioned machi machines. I have to ask you real quick. Yeah. Uh, what are you most skilled at? What piece of machinery are you most skilled at? I I, I like operating an excavator. Uh, okay, uh, think, okay. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that, that's something I've put a bit of time into. I'm, I'm no by no means an expert operator, <laughs> but I do enjoy it, and I can, I can get a job done. And now, is it the technical side, or is it you still envision yourself as a kid in a sandbox? Or what, 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 what about it gives you the most joy? I guess just something that a skill that I couldn't do. And when I first started operating an excavator, honestly, it was, it was a challenge and um, very unproductive. And then I, I, <laughs> very dusty. Very dusty, yeah. <laughs> the machine was clunking, and it was like, am I going to damage this thing? Or right, like, right. But it, it got to a point where, um, you know, yeah, I, I feel like I could fit in. I don't know. I might get thrown off a good construction site pretty quickly, but I could probably hang in there with some of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. So myself being a surveyor for 30-plus years and having had the benefit of having really, really good mentors, and we talk about mentoring a lot yes, on yeah. the show. Big thing. Uh, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to maybe shout out you know, a mentor or mentors that they've yeah. had that have made a difference in their career. 
I mean, yeah, great, great question, right? Um, Brent Fosberg, I'm not sure if you're well aware of Brent Fosberg. He's a mentor to many. Um, i got to put my hand up and say, probably goes to the top of my list as well. Yeah. Um, the little snippets that he gives us just to steer us in the right direction, um, support us, actually, um, more than anything else, does a phenomenal job there. Um, I would also say uh, Mark Nichols, who's a fellow, fellow Kiwi, um, started working with him uh, 2002 and um, st- still catch up with him regularly and uh, his mentorship is, is solid, um, always always enjoy working with him and actually Greg Wallace who was my first manager within Trimble um, runs our engineering team at Geospatial, um, now reports into me <laughs> but he was a huge mentor uh, for a number sure. of years um, being an engineering manager so um, three guys there, there's many more as well by the way for but sure. um, those, those three come to mind. Yeah, really good. A um, couple quick hitters here. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Do your best. Do your best. Uh, basic as that. Yeah. Uh, every time, if you, if you do your best, honestly, can't yeah. go wrong. Yeah. 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 Love it. My dad. My dad would say to me, "Make me proud," and that was another. That was a motivational thing, I guess, more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one yeah. as well. So, where can folks find you if they wanted to reach out? Uh, they can. LinkedIn probably. LinkedIn is probably the best one, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the right way to go, and then uh, I'll get in touch with them from there. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Appreciate it. Uh, Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you might want to get out there? Got anything else, Sean? Uh, This has been fun. Yeah. That new scanner—that's pretty impressive. The X12. X12. X12 is is phenomenal. That's big news. There's been a lot of new technologies come on to since I've been here. I mean, none of them have been any of my doing right but yeah. oh like, come on come on take hey, no, credit no. <laughs> that's, yeah that, that's no, no. you'll learn in the next few years you two, start two taking credit for, exactly. for the stuff well, that came before two to, two to three years from now <laughs> yeah, yeah, could, yeah 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 exactly could, uh, take some credit, but right now it's uh, it's nothing to do with me but um no i enjoying seeing these new technologies come to come to come to the forefront yeah good stuff good stuff hey that's all we got yeah Appreciate uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us. No problem at all. Thanks. Been a pleasure getting Thanks to know you. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, it might not be the last time. Hopefully not the last time, and may- maybe next time I've uh, I've learned a little bit more about the geospatial industry, surveying and mapping, and that, and uh, yeah, you can yeah, catch up and see. Absolutely, we'll yeah. do it. Look forward to it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, here we are this morning, and we have Jason with us, and I'm gonna let Jason introduce himself. Just go with your name, uh, you know, who you're with, what you do. And uh, we'll, we'll springboard off of that. Sounds good. Hi. Good morning, guys. Uh, Jason Evans. I'm here from uh, Trimble. I am the portfolio manager for real-time corrections products. So I work with Trimble's VRS Now Solutions as well as oh, okay. Trimble RTX, Centerpoint RTX Solutions. I have a lot of questions for you. This is going to be sure great. you do. So how long have you been in this position, Jason? Um, so just over a year. I transferred okay. in from uh, the, the Precision Tools Department within Trimble before that. Uh, so you've been with Trimble for how long? Uh, uh, coming up on four years now. Four years. Great. great. Right, right. What did you do before that? Were you still in the survey world? or? I was working for some competitors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you brought some of those secrets over to Trimble? Oh, no. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How I long have you been that. in survey <laughs> uh, total? Oh, geez, coming up on I guess better part of two decades now. Oh wow, so, yeah. yeah. So were you ever like an actual surveyor working out in the field and yeah. had that experience behind you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I started like everyone, just as a lowly instrument man, and you know graduated awesome. up to party chief, and then I became chief of survey parties. Um, yeah, you know, and etc. Yeah. Then went to work for manufacturers. Yeah, so. yeah. This is another great example. It's like I, I think I mentioned it to uh, to Scott. Um, Everybody I talk to that works for Trimble, just always happy, in a good mood. Oh, yeah. It's got to be an awesome company to work for. Oh, it's a great company to work for. Yeah. One of the best out of the major manufacturers in this space. That's How would sure. you describe the culture? 
Oh, it's terrific. I mean, I, I think that everyone is, is concerned about the other employees that they work with. They're uh, concerned about employee growth. They want to see people succeed. Mm -hmm. So they really do a, a terrific job of kind of instilling those instincts into folks. And, sure. Yeah. And how many employees does Trimble have? Oh, something like 12,000. 12,000? So. And th they're all it's here crazy. this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, man. Um, so what do you love about your job? Um, no, it's great. I just get to, you know, work with technology every day. I get to kind of influence where the technology is going, um, mm. you know, and, and kind of keep pace with all the latest and greatest stuff that's out there. So mm. it's, it's a terrific opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And the VRS, um, talk about that a little bit. I mean, you know, we, we have a subscription to a couple VRS networks that we, you know, utilize. And I know that, like you mentioned, the RTX, right? Yeah. So talk about that. I mean, what what is the coverage? What is the accurate accuracies that it the, the corrections you know generate? What what does that look like? Sure. So with with VRS solutions, you, you tend to have a smaller regional network. Yep. Right. So you're 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 typically talking about a state or a municipality or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, with Trimble RTX, uh, Centerpoint RTX, you know, you're covered on the whole globe. Okay. So it's a it's a global solution. Um, you know, it gives you very similar accuracies. Mm -hmm. um, in the horizontal, you're looking at a two centimeter RMS value, which is, is similar to most of the VRS networks works that are mm -hmm. out there. Um, so it's a pretty terrific solution. Um, delivered, you know, via satellite, delivered via IP, sure. just like your, your VRS now correction is. Sure. And what about, uh, you mentioned two centimeters horizontally. What does the vertical uh, look like? So vertical is about five centimeters RMS value with, with okay. RTX. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a little looser than a VRS type solution. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's good quality signal overall. So who are your your typical clients for that? Because like, I would consider that not survey grade per se. Um, vertical, right? In horizontal, I mean, plus or minus two centimeters, yeah, yeah. still that, you know. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, who, who is using this? So, I, it really depends on the portion of your workflow that you're in. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's plenty of times where you don't need to go out and set up a base sure. and, and, and do differential base rover RTK. Yep. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're looking at large projects, projects that span, uh, you know, linearly a very mm -hmm. long space, great time to use RTX because you don't have to worry about setting up your base, tearing down your base, moving mm -hmm. your base ahead having available control points like that every time you want to do it. Yep. Um, so a lot of a lot of those uh, type uses. And Trimble, you, you know, they, they've combined these technologies, right? So when you're talking about um, a base rover workflow or you're talking about uh, using Trimble VRS now, you can also make use of the Centerpoint RTX service for Trimble's XFIL solution, mm. which means that if you if you drop that connection to your base, you know, you're, you lose your radio signal, yep. or you you know you lose your your cellular connection for the VRS Now network. Um, XFIL uses the, sa the same satellites as Centerpoint RTX, and it just begins picking up right there and providing you with a correction source. Like seamless. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Hmm. Yep. So, so that's a it's a nice differentiator, and it's a really great way to deal with those problems that we all have out there in the real world, where you're hmm. losing your radio connection or you know, dropping cell signal. Right. Right. So the RTX is like global coverage, basically. Yes. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. And the VRS, like the, you know, you guys have the VRS corrections as well, and that again is a regional solution, right? Exactly. Not a global thing. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And is it a um, what? What is the, the business model then? Is it a subscription? Is it what is it? What does it look like? Yeah, exactly. You can you can um, subscribe, uh, you know, for a, for a year, three years, five years, depending on what sort of subscription length you're looking for. <coughs> yeah. Um, you can you can also you know if you haven't ever used it before and you'd like to give it a try, there is um, a 30 day trial that you can get. Cool. At 30daytrial.trimble.com. They yep. make it pretty easy. Yeah. Um, so if it, if it is something you wanted to check out, you could you could absolutely see um, how it works in your area. And is it proprietary? And when I ask that, do you have to have Trimble equipment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I know some of the other VRSs, it doesn't really matter. You know, like 
you can use whatever. Yeah, with but. the satellite delivered services, you do have to have a triple receiver. Yeah, so you know, folks that yeah. are out there with our tens, with our twelves, mm-hmm. uh, SPS nine eighty sixes, you know, the, all of those receivers, um, you know, do a great job with our sure. techs. Yep. And is part of your role like building these networks? Um, in some cases, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're, you know, as we build or acquire networks, um, you know, there's various projects that kick off, and we, you know, we build that infrastructure out and, mm-hmm. and you know set up all the the parts that nobody thinks about you know on the business system side with yeah. making sure that we can get subscriptions and handle and local currencies and you know things oh, like that yeah so. interesting interesting how many people are in your group oh geez um quite a few in the yeah. autonomy sector all told uh, I, oh, yeah. I don't actually know the number but yeah, yeah, yeah it's, quite it's a few, something yeah. like hundreds yeah for sure that's awesome so i'm curious about you said you transitioned to the manufacturer space like can you talk a little bit more about that because that's that's a that's a career path that we don't usually usually it's become surveyor and then you're a surveyor and I'm curious how you made that jump. Yeah, yeah. So actually, um, I, I a former colleague from when I was surveying, we were both party chiefs at the same firm. Um, he went to work for uh, one of the competitors that's out there, and uh, you know started calling me up and harassing me. Uh, okay. You know, for, for months, you know, to come and uh, come and talk to these folks, and uh, they they were actually looking for subject matter experts. So they were looking for folks to do their training, make sure that their marketing messages were on point, you know, okay. things like that. So, um, so yeah, he, he just uh, harassed me long enough that I finally went and did an interview and uh, they made it. Never looked back? Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, so to speak. <laughs> so. so what is, what is like your long-term goal or objective for the, the role you're in right now? Really, what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd, I'd like to make sure that we continue to inform people about Trimble RTX technology. I think mm-hmm. when we're, we're talking about the future, that is definitely a forward-looking technology. Um, I'd like to continue to obviously grow that product and improve that product and, mm-hmm. uh, and make sure that it meets the needs of everybody. Yeah. And I think I did, I did a little homework and read part of your blog, and I think you're, you're saying that that error was going to continue to go down as as the technology increases i mean sure, do you that's, see that's the expectation. do you see the <laughs> it getting to a brs uh, you know comparable to it so you wouldn't even notice and then yeah is I, that the, is that the goal i think so yeah i think that that's a good goal to have um, you know not all vrss are, are equal of course right um, you know so some networks uh, perform better than others um, some networks you, you would probably find very similar accuracies um, so it's you know it's just a, it, it's an interesting technology. Um, you know, the more that we can densify our ground control network, the more that we can um, have more available satellite bandwidth to send the correction out. Yeah. The better we can do. So. Yeah. Yes, and I guess that would be my question. You know, why isn't there a global VRS? Is that just because of the infrastructure? At this point, anyways, I may be really, really expensive, and yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. you, you certainly you have to have people to support that that network, all the folks that, that monitor and, yeah. and keep that network up, and everything like that. Um, sure, you, you'd have to you'd have to be able to derive enough revenue for that business to grow and stay on the latest technologies. Right, and that that goes for the you know the folks that own their own VRS network or the mm-hmm. municipalities that own their own VRS network um, outside of even just the Trimble ones. I mean, every, everybody has costs. You know, cost quite a bit of money to, to run a network like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking out loud here, and I don't, don't know why this came to mind, but like the uh, RTX <laughs> application, I'm thinking like like for farmers, you know, yeah. on their machinery, they have GPS, and like it would be a perfect application for that, I would think. Yeah, that is actually one of our largest markets right now for okay. RTX is yeah. in the, the agricultural industry. Agriculture, yep. yep. There you go. I would be thinking that or like railroad. Yeah. Something that is just spans yeah. miles and miles and miles, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, and we're excited also about the marine 
Uh, oh, there you oh, go. Oh, yeah, well. yeah. Um, so we were very recently announced that we're expanding the coverage of uh, Trimble RTX to include up to 100 nautical miles hmm. off from land. Really? Um, hmm. So, yeah, so, you know, there's obviously a lot of construction that goes on right yeah. there, whether it's dredging or, you know, building piers or yeah. whatever folks need to do around the around yeah. the water. Well, what about, you, know, you mentioned it earlier, um, like uh, autonomy, like to autonomous vehicles and stuff like that. It would be a great application for that as well, right? I mean, you don't need to have survey grade accuracy to, you know, have a, a, a autonomous vehicle. Absolutely, and, and that's one of the things that actually sets Trimble RTX uh, aside from a lot of the other uh, available satellite corrections that are out there. Is that mm -hmm. they they pursued the integrity, so safety of life applications like automotive mm -hmm. on road. Um, you know, Trimble has already went down that path and mm -hmm. has that in place. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely going to be a huge market as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are like? What do you see as being the biggest challenge or challenges that um, that, you, that you face, like on a daily basis, that you know maybe prevent you from reaching that ultimate goal? What are what are the challenges? Well, I, I think that adoption is one thing. You know, I think we all we all get kind of stuck in our rut where we're saying, "Hey, I'm out there. I'm being productive. I'm making money." You know, with uh -huh. these technologies that are that are here, these these tools in my toolbox, right? And we have to stop once in a while and look around and see what other technologies are out there that can improve that productivity mm -hmm. and can take our business to the next level in terms of you know what we're able to achieve given the same amount of people, the same amount of equipment, the same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you like? What What are you most excited about? You know, like five years down the line, what do you What do you foresee happening in that that arena? Uh, well, definitely, I, I think that there's more and more buy-in every day. I think mm -hmm. the more folks get to experience these sort of technologies, the more they make it part of their workflows. Um, so, user adoption, I think, is, is something to look forward to. Um, certainly, things like Internet of Things, um, you know, additional coverage, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all of those. You know, as, as uh, like I said, as we get. More satellites, more bandwidth, more reference stations out there with mm -hmm. the product and, and move forward. So with that said, is there a cellular component to it? No, you, you can connect via IP. So just yep. like your standard NTRIP caster that you yep. would have on a VRS network, um, Trimble RTX does have um, an IP component as well. So if you wanted to get the correction over the internet for some particular reason, you could. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. What else over there, mister? Um, mister Blog Reader. I, I, I was just, I, I don't know, I was learning about everything he just <laughs> said. I mean, he did a, did a really good job. <laughs> um, I just like the uh, the aspect of the, or I guess what you, when you mentioned we get in our rut and just keep doing the same thing with the same tools and kind of stopping. And, and it, do you think that's the one of the best lessons that, you know, we, we talked about that, but how would you apply it and specifically looking at these two different networks and, and you utilize more of an RTX? I mean, that... What would you give that advice to to somebody that's looking to do something different, you know, taking that pause? Well, when I when I think back to you know when when I first started surveying some of the the guys that I was surveying for the licensed guys at the time, right? You know, they had graduated from the steel tape to the EDM, you know, and and every once in a while you'd still pull out your steel tape just to make sure your EDM was was you know working for you, right? And you yeah. think about all the amount of time that that took. And then we then total stations come along, and it, and it's a leap step, right? You just made made the work so much easier, so much faster. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to you have to keep that open mind when you start looking at correction technologies as well. And I right. think that you have to look at these and say, how can this improve the work that I'm doing? Do I have job sites that are large that I have to worry about the error that I'm accumulating based on my baseline length? Because mm -hmm. that goes away with RTX. Right. It's a single yeah. point positioning solution, right? So yep. you're going to have uh, the same amount of error whether you're standing right here in Las Vegas or whether you're you know, home in Arizona or back in, in my state of Pennsylvania. 
And so, I, th- I think that's an important fact is yeah. that you're not increasing your air as you go. It's just, and one thing that I read about, it's, it's sometimes the project specs allow for that and it's not driven, you know, we, we mm. think we're, we're getting to a, a, a degree of error that we don't need. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people don't take the step back to, okay, well, what are we actually doing on a large enough site? Yeah, or you spend all that time using the more traditional technologies like an optical instrument or something like that when you didn't need to for the particular job or task, you know, part of the workflow that you're on. Mm -hmm. And the corrections that you're getting with the RTX, is that just like WGS84 or what, like what is, what what are the corrections? What what is the projection that you're getting, depending on where you are, I suppose? No, so it is a a global datum. So because it is a global service, we use a geocentric coordinate system. It it happens to use ITRF 2014 in the current Epic. Mm -hmm. Um, So most of the softwares go from ITRF 2014 to your local datum. Uh, gotcha. automatically. Gotcha. Like if you're using triple access, for instance, they support what they call time-dependent transformations. Hmm. So you can you can go from that geocentric coordinate system down to your local datum um, without even you know having to think about it. Yep, yep. gotcha, gotcha. Um, one thing that we like to ask our guests, we're like, we're big into uh, like mentoring, you know, the importance of mentoring. Um, and we always like to give our, our guests an opportunity, maybe mention a mentor or two that's influenced their career and made a difference in, in their lives. Oh, certainly. Is, is and there it, somebody you'd like to mention? Yeah, for sure. You know, one of, I, I, I mentioned, you know, graduating from the steel tape and going to the EDM. And one of the very first surveyors I ever worked for, um, that, that was where he was. And, you know, went through GPS and all these other things. And it, and it was just... It was so influencing to me to see that someone throughout their entire career stayed so curious about the technology and wanted to keep learning. Yep. And I think that that's, that's, a, that's a great way to run a very strong business yep. and, and to be very productive as a Lancer there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll what, what's, the, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given in your career? Um, learn how to say, I don't know. Mm. That, ah, was, that was one yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah I like that. It's, it's, um, it's something where you, you really have to be able to... Um, be humble about it, right? And you have to you have to seek the truth, and I think that's such an important thing. And yeah. until you get there, you, you have to be willing to say, "I don't know." Well, and I always think that that we talk about licensure and all that, and I think that, but whether you're anything in a technical field, that what that's what it, being a licensed professional means is not is more about knowing what you don't know exactly. and being willing to admit it. Yep. Yeah, well yep. said. While seeking the truth, right? Right, right exactly. Is, yeah, and especially like you know what you're doing. I mean, you're constantly like breaking barriers down, you know, and you don't know, but yeah. you're gonna figure it out. You know, you hire really smart people that are gonna help you figure it out. Absolutely, and yeah. you study the problem, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you want to get out there that we may not have? No, uh, thanks. Thanks for having me, though. You bet. You bet. Thank you. I would highly recommend uh, checking out the blog if you're at all interested in corrections and base points. I mean, it's it's some cool stuff he's yeah. done. And now, where do you find that blog? Uh, that's on the Geospatial website, so geospatial.trimble.com. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, again. thank you. All right, thank you. All right, we have uh, Riley with us. Riley, let's do a quick introduction. Just name uh, who you're with and what you do. Sure, yeah. Uh, So my name is Riley Smith. I'm the marketing director for the Trimble Monitoring and Tunneling Groups. And uh, I'm based in uh, Westminster, Colorado. Um, History is in land surveying, though. That's my my passion. So I'm originally from Canada, so my career in surveying is in Western Canada. And so that's where I started my career. And I've been at Trimble around six years. Okay. Primarily focusing on uh, product development and product marketing. So how we get feedback in from everybody in the field using uh, the technology and get that 
incorporate it into developing the next gen products. Wow, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, whenever we have somebody on from Canada, I have to ask the question: oh, okay. curling or hockey? One hundred percent hockey. Oh, oh. Yeah. there's a time and place for both. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, well, hockey, that's been hockey. the that's been the general answer from is, all Canadians. I knew yeah. it. The answer was always probably. hockey, but. Curling is a, is a second somewhere in there. Yeah, mm. curling is more of like, oh, that's a nice recreational sport. Let's yeah. chill, yeah, have a few beers, play some curling. Hockey yep, yep. is serious. Yeah. I'm trying to get Sean <laughs> to start curling. Yeah. yeah. We have a curling club in Phoenix, if you can believe that. Yeah, yeah pretty amazing. So, yeah, so we, big announcement this, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, right? Correct. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know about what uh, we do in Trimble Monitoring, the whole emphasis is capturing movement on site, and that can be a man-made structure, can be a, a natural structure, but you know things like dams, mines, <laughs> landslides, all of that. And then we take all the sensors that are capturing that information, and we automate it into a system. So you get alarms, notifications, things if there is thresholds that are, are um, thrown. Uh, so what we released yesterday was a new module within Trimble 40 Control, which is our, our kind of core software mm -hmm. that we do for monitoring, that's focused on rail. So, I mean, you guys probably all saw this summer with all the heat waves, you see these pictures of the rail tracks oh, deforming. Yeah. So it's uh, not mm -hmm. just, I mean, it wasn't just this summer, that's a, that's a serious issue that can happen anywhere in the world and does happen. So this, this module is focused on making that process of of setting up, configuring, and monitoring rail track much easier. So today, before you know, this rail module, it's quite complicated. Right? You have to set up your monitoring system, you've got to configure it, and then you have to program all of these calculations in, and it can take a lot of time. So even one person, one of the, one of the customers we have here at Dimensions this week, they were telling us every rail monitoring project that they do, it's you know, two to three days of setup time. Oh, and wow. with this new software module, we're reducing the, basically eliminating the uh, configuration piece of that, and that's reducing it down to only a few hours of one day to get that set up. So they're talking about up to 90, 95% time savings in that wow. setup. So if you think about that, if you're somebody who's doing a lot of rail monitoring, which is which is quite, quite common, you know, every project, mm. that's huge savings on that upfront. And that's really, when it comes to automated monitoring, yep. the vast majority of the the time investment is the setup of all the sensors and getting everything running. So we can reduce yeah. that, great. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So I think I've seen the, the monitoring system. It's literally like it sits on a contraption on the rail, right? It just goes down the rail, basically. And it's collecting right. data the whole way? So so that's uh, probably the as-built, the, the Guido trolley that you've seen there. Yeah. So that, that, that is a good point because what that complements our system. So that's used to as-built, get the geometry, existing geometry okay. of the track. Okay. And you can take that, that file, basically, and print it, bring it into T4D. And then what we do is you take a uh, sensor, typically it's total stations, right? You install a total station mm -hmm. on site next to the track, and it sits there 24-7 capturing data on the track and saying, okay, here was my existing uh, as-built geometry. Okay. How is that changing? You know, as loads are pushed over it, as heat waves are coming through, yep. and then they can throw alarms and the rail owner can get notified if there is movement and they can shut down traffic or do whatever they need to mitigate risk. How far, how are those split, or like, what's the frequency of those? You know, it, 
I mean, it's hard to answer that because it's every project is different in that sense. But you know, well, let, let's take like something like Amtrak or SEPTA or something here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. If they're if you're building next to a rail track, right? Maybe you're building a, out of a building or something. There's a subway station uh, or something like that. Typically, they'll they'll measure on. Uh, five to 25 foot intervals along the track. So they usually put a prism on either side of the track. Mm -hmm. So if you got a thousand feet or something of an area, you're gonna have a lot of prisms. And oh, so that, okay. yeah. that total station is just gonna hit those prisms on whatever frequency you tell yep. it. So that could be every five minutes, could be once a day, whatever you need. Yeah. And that captures all the data, processes it instantly, and then you, you as the, the monitoring provider, mm -hmm. you get all the reports and information you can disseminate those to your clients as needed. Yeah, know. and that total station or that robot you're talking about, that's just an unmanned instrument that's Correct. set up there and it's like programmed to take all these shots like X amount of times a day or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's how that works. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So yeah. that's why the that's why I say the setup part of mo automated monitoring is the most time intensive. So mm -hmm. anything we can do on our side from a technology standpoint to reduce that yep. is fantastic for a, for a monitoring user because once you have the system set up, it just does everything, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, you got to do a little maintenance here and there, but it's it's automated. Yeah. So it's, mm. it's just going to continue to run and operate whatever you tell it to do. Yeah. And like, how sensitive is this monitoring? Is it like a millimeter type thing? If it moves just a millimeter, it's yeah. going to track that? Yeah. In rail industry is, is very unique with monitoring because it is very high accuracy. Mm -hmm. They're looking for very subtle. I mean, even if you have minute few millimeters of movement in a track and that's a certain twist or it, they call it cant and, and all this movement in the geometry, that can cause derailment. Hmm. So it's really important. That's why they have to use total stations, right? It's basically the most accurate thing you can you can get to do that and, and get that same kind of result. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So do you guys also do any like seismic monitoring or is that something completely different? Uh, we did at one point in time. We don't do as much because it's not. So we, we've actually partnered with a, with a few companies when it comes to sensors. Mm -hmm. Because uh, in Trimble, of course, we make GPS, we make total stations, we make all the uh, all our kind of core positioning things. But with monitoring, you typically need this whole gambit of different sensors, depending on what you might need for an application. So mm -hmm. if you're looking at a building and you need to detect some vibrations or kind of accelerometer type information, which is kind of like seismic, that total station can't do that. Uh, and we don't make those. So what we do is we partner with companies in the industry and we work with them. And so when we're going on to projects or deploying a system, the end user, the monitoring uh, professional gets everything. It just might not be from one person, right? So we worked with a, co a company called Syscom out of Switzerland who makes a really good accelerometer vibration sensor that can meet that need. Yep. But yes, that'd be primary. the same thing, like uh, like water levels indicate, like like you said, there's a variety of indicators that you want to all pop yeah. into that software that or the monitoring platform where you see not just movement but acceleration, yeah. water, yeah. humidity, whatever the case might be, right? Yeah, because it's all about having these different parameters that you as the monitoring professional are trying to make better decisions with all of this data. So temperature might be a correlation to movement. Right, or yeah. vibration might give an indicator where movement's not giving it. So, I mean, and this kind of leads me to a uh, thought. So on the offsite here, even though it keeps getting close because of weather, we have an automated system running 24-7 on a bunch of different sensors. And the idea is to show you know, on a site, you can capture all of the different data points you need, both wirelessly and automated. Hmm. So as on, once you set it up, the data just comes to you. 
at our booth there, we've got the system just up on the screen. You put in a URL because it's hosted in a, in a virtual machine. You can access your data anywhere in the world. <laughs> you've got to set alarms, get reports, it's all there. So it was your monitoring system is why it was canceled because you picked up from here <laughs> that the weather was not right for the <laughs> All right, I won't take any blame for this. Yeah, you're gonna have a lot of people upset with me. That's funny, that's funny. So what about the software platform? Like, is that Trimble proprietary? Yes. And then there's an app, I'm assuming? Yeah, so Trimble, we call it T4D for short, but the uh, name is Trimble 4D Control. It's, it's been around for quite some time. Uh, I think almost 20 years now the software's existed. So it's evolved quite significantly. Uh, it used to be very, monitoring systems were very IT heavy. You know, traditionally, five, five, 10 years ago, you had to be a combination of a surveyor, a, ge a geotechnical engineer, yep. an electrician, and a, an IT professional just to do monitoring. So over that time, we've changed a lot and evolved both the software and all the, the hardware so it makes it easier. Yep. And then the primary focus for somebody doing that is just interpretation, of the data to say, okay, is there a risk here? Is there some some something we need to do to mitigate? Yeah, yeah. And how has the ability to monitor changed over the last few years with the advancement of all the technology and everything? Yeah. So the, I would say some of the biggest advancements are around the call combination or I'd say aggregation of all of the data. So we were talking before about sensors and water, yeah, right. weather, whatever it is. So the ability to bring all that together and then utilize it in, in one place has been huge. The, the other piece is the deployment aspect. So you used to, and, and some still do this, but you used to have to employ, uh, deploy everything on a server, you know, on a computer that might be on site, have all this infrastructure set up, making sure that your old network's all running, but now you can deploy that on like a virtual machine sitting on Azure or AWS, whatever it is, and then access your data anywhere in the world. Got it. So a lot of that is happening more, so that removes the need for more physical storage, physical mm. uh, configuration of things, and more it's just about let's put this, what sensors we need, where we need them on site, and then everything else can be utilized by all the stakeholders on, on a project. Yeah. Got, it. Got it. Yeah, that's really interesting. It really is, yeah. So what's like what's like a really cool project that you've worked on personally or you know that uh, you know your equipment and software is deployed on right now? Yeah, uh, Mitch and a couple that are being presented here at Dimensions this week. So um, Greg Bress, who's with uh, Stantec, he presented this morning on, and it's kind of an interesting one, because uh, he's a you know, surveyor by trade and he's, he sees a real opportunity for surveyors getting into monitoring, and, and automated especially, right? Surveyors typically are doing monitoring today, mo sure. mostly very traditional though, campaign going out once a month or once a quarter. Um, so he's, he was talking about his experience getting into automated, his first system, you know, learning learning things. And, and so that project was uh, Claymont Station in, uh, I think that was in Pennsylvania. But it was also a rail monitoring project. But the, the kind of learnings there for him were like, well, okay, what's the difference between doing this traditionally and automated, and when does it make sense? Because it doesn't always make sense oh, to, sure. you know. That was, you yeah. stole my next question. Yeah, it doesn't like, make sense to At what scale or, does it make yeah. sense to put in a permanent uh, you know, monitoring instead of having a guy go a couple times during construction. Yeah, like usually you kind of balance it on a few factors. You look at, you know, your your 
your resource utilization. So you're typically your people, right? right? But it can be your equipment as well, right? You've got that total station you've invested in. Are you going to deploy it permanently on a site and now you can't use it for anything else? Right. As well as the people, though, you look right. at it the opposite. I have to send somebody out there or even multiple crews out there, whatever it is, once a day, once a week. That's all the fuel. That's all their time. It's, you know, so it's you got to balance what what it makes more sense. So typically we look at those, and then obviously, obviously the risk is is a factor too. Is <laughs> is it we're all we're only trying to find trends, so we we don't need to measure that often. Okay, we probably can do more of a traditional uh, campaign monitoring. But if <laughs> it's a project like Claymont Station was, where they're building next to an active rail. We need yeah, to know yeah. if that rail Constant, moves, yeah. right? Because we need to make a decision on if we need to shut down the track so nothing mm-hmm. is passing over it. Yeah. Are there times like, you know, we talked specifically about uh, incorporating a robotic total station or whatever. Are there times where a scanner or any other kind of hardware is used for monitoring? Yeah, there's a variety of, uh, of different uh, sensors and technology that are being used. Um, scanning, I think, is starting to grow more in the, in the monitoring. Like, we're, we're showing at our booth just how you can use an SX-12, right, as a as a sensor-fused instrument that can do the total station piece, but you can also do some scanning if you need, right, to capture uh, it. Yeah. But then, you know, you have things like drones, which you're not getting finite movements, but you can look at what more what we would call change detection, which is like, okay, I'm going to fly my site once a day, and then I'll see did this this big rock move or something, right? It's, right. it's less about finite movements yeah. that are risky and more of change detection. So you see that kind of mix of all of these different uh, geospatial technologies and, and levels of where they're needed, right? I'm not going to use a drone to monitor rail track, but I might use it to monitor the construction site next door, right, and see if there's anything serious going, like different things are moving. So that combination of different sensors and technology is quite huge. And, and I mean, as surveyors in the industry, that, that's already at their disposal. It's more of how do we use the right tools for that that particular project. Yep. I just think of, I mean, we've been on projects like this that are rail monitoring because we're tunneling under, under the rail to put in a water line. Yeah. And the cost it takes to have some, you know, a crew there every day, twice a day, to hit the same spot seems like there's got to be a break-even point at a week or so or some construction yeah. duration that you talk about setup and all the time that you, right. you lose plus the, the opportunity cost of having a crew do that. Yeah. It seems like there's a duration of construction that really dials in exactly yeah. where well, what you're talking about makes a lot more sense. Than yeah, and I'm sure you guys have been hearing it lots about, you know, finding skilled surveyors in the industry. I mean, it's an international problem. Yep. Oh, so you listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, might be a, I might be a fan. Yeah. The, uh, so that's why that resource utilization is key. Yeah. Because yeah. you're thinking about, okay, that's a, a skilled crew that I have that needs to be doing other things. They could be doing as-built-in, they could be doing construction work, maybe they're doing cadastral work. So would it be more useful to use them as a deployment crew and then they manage the data Right. In the office with mm-hmm. an office technician. And then that crew can be utilized doing other things, right? Yeah, for sure. And like this this data that you're referring to, in, from what you've seen in your experience, does it need to be signed off or certified by a licensed surveyor typically or not really? It doesn't really fall in that category. That's a, that's a good good question and maybe a topic for debate yeah, <laughs> outside exactly. of my realm. But yeah, yeah and it depends uh, regionally, I would say. Some countries that there's more involvement of what... Um, the, let's say the professional survey designation brings to monitoring. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, though, like here in the U.S., it's not 
typically a, a requirement, depending on the owner, you know, depending on the industry maybe. But if I look at um, you know, general construction monitoring, you've got mm -hmm. a big construction site. There's a lot of companies that are not land surveyors. They may have some on staff, but they're typically monitoring companies. They're specializing in the deployment and, and getting the data to somebody, and, and to an extent, maybe the interpretation. Because even though it's, you know, as a surveyor, we understand how to get an accurate 3D position, but not always do surveyors understand what a geotechnical sensor does, right? So you've sure. got this meld of all of these different things. So I think it's a great industry for surveyors to get more into, but the skill set has to be diversified as well. And, and that can be bringing others, right? Geo, geotechnical engineers and surveyors working together, bringing both those capabilities. I think that's where you can get a, a, a pretty uh, pretty good. Uh, I, I think that sounds like an amazing combination to have a geotechnical engineer. Cats and, a and dogs living together. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, well, I have a quick question. Do you consider yourself a, a geomatics nerd? Is that correct? I do. I do. I, uh, I, well, let's see, I don't think I've really done anything outside of, you know, graduating from high school and going forward life. It's been geomatics related. Okay. So all my school, schooling, my, my surveying career, and then I'm at Trimble and I've always been focused on the kind of the geospatial geomatics perspective at Trimble. And that's, I mean, the whole reason I came to Trimble was to those people, my ex-colleagues in the survey industry, how can I make it better for them? Because I saw all these things when I was in the field and I was in the office of how we could improve that. And that's still, today, that's still what I do. That's why I love things like dimensions, right? Even if I'm sitting at the booth and I have all of these different surveyors coming to me and asking me questions and, you know, we can talk about, we had one session yesterday on automated monitoring and we got into probably a, a rabbit hole of how is heat heat refraction affecting an EDM, right? <laughs> you know, all these uh, yeah, things, yeah. right? You yeah. Seriously nerd out. But I'm definitely one of those people that stops on the side of the road to take a picture of a survey monument. Yep. I've got a whole photo library. <laughs> right, right. How did you, uh, t t tell us a little bit about how you made that transition from a traditional survey career into, uh, you know, what working with Trimble. Yeah. Um, I got a lucky opportunity to do an internship with uh, Trimble, I think it was 2016. Uh, they, uh, they recruited from my university, University of New Brunswick, and uh, it was for a product management internship. And at the time I said, well, uh, Trimble, this is Trimble, right? In my survey career, I thought this is the pinnacle. I, don't, I can't work there, right? Uh, and uh, so I applied just trying to you know, go out on a whim. It looked like an interesting opportunity. And, and like I said, I wanted to try and grow my impact on what I could do for other surveyors. And, and thankfully I got, got that job opportunity and that's just kind of steamrolled me into to what I would say has been a, a fairly fulfilling career at Trimble and different, you know, different aspects. So, you know, I went from being more generalized. I started with Trimble Business Center, which some of you, you might be familiar with. And I'm now in these, uh, the monitoring tunneling businesses yeah. where we're kind of taking that core survey technology, but applying it for a different use case than just sure. general survey. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Well, that being said, what, like five years down the road, what, what are you most excited about? I'm excited about, I would say two things. One, the, the change in the industry from like a, let's say a cultural standpoint, mm. you know, I see more and more uh, surveyors, geospatial professionals seeing not just the toolbox that they can leverage, I think a lot of them are aware of that, but the different business opportunities 
and how they can you know, grow and diversify their business outside of, let's say, traditional, yep. general topographical, cadastral. That's always, of course, still going to be there. But how can we leverage that skill set, bring it into other things, right? So one of the, one of the, the groups that I, I, I'm responsible for is tunneling. <laughs> And which I think is a very, like, as a, as a geomatics nerd, I think is a great uh, option for growing business for surveyors because it's, one, it is crucial to build a tunnel to have good surveyors that understand the practices. If you imagine trying to run a, a complex traverse network down a tunnel, right? You need somebody who knows and understands all of these principles. So I think those types of opportunities are huge for, for survey companies, growing business, diversifying. Um, the second part I think is interesting to see is, and, and if you attended the geospatial keynote yesterday, some of these different advancements in technology that, sure, we hear things like AI and, and sensor fusion and all of this, but what does that actually mean to a surveyor? So the application of these things is what I'm excited about, right? When you talk about AI, it's, it's a big fancy term, but we can look at it and the application is things like, oh, we can detect from a point cloud, you know, features automatically and you all of a sudden have CAD data yep. or you have a plan. Mm. That, that is the cool stuff, yeah, right? It's pretty Not, amazing what's The technology, going on there. The, yeah. the, the, the engine behind that is, yeah, it's interesting, but the way that it gets into a surveyor's hand is where it's really exciting. So I'm excited yeah. to see how that continues to evolve. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, you know, I, we haven't even talked about tunneling yet, so I'm going to propose that we have we, We're going to need another hour. Yes, yes we'll have you back. I got a full episode yeah. to talk about that because I, I would love to learn more about that myself. So, uh, Me personally, I could, I will attest to that as yeah. well. Yeah, happy, yeah that'd be happy great. chat. Yeah. Cool, awesome. Well, hey, Riley, appreciate your time. Is there yeah. anything else we haven't got out there that you might want to talk about? No, I think I uh, really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time and having me here. And, uh, of course, if... Uh, anyone's listening and whether they're at dimensions or not uh, it's easy to to find out about the monitoring uh, trimble monitoring things you can even go on our website monitoring.trimble.com we have uh, demo systems is what we call them but they're, they're <laughs> active monitoring systems that we manage um, even some we don't manage actually that are on live projects and so you can just go on there and see live data coming in from those sites and experience t4d in the software before even ever having to touch anything so it's kind of a great way if you're thinking about well what does automated mean that's a great way just to get like a quick quick uh, quick hit of what automated monitoring is yeah and what was the website one more time monitoring.trimble.com perfect awesome yeah, that's great. Well, again, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Appreciate great it. to meet you. Yeah, you as well. Enjoy All right, the show. thanks. Yeah. All right, we have Stephanie with us. Stephanie, if you would, real quick, just quick self-introduction, name, who you're with, what you do, that kind of thing. Sounds great. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Stephanie Michaud. I'm the strategic marketing manager for our field software portfolio. Um, so I cover most of our survey software that goes out in the field and, and uh, that a lot of our customers work day to day. I work with Trimble. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I've been at Trimble for 11 years in a wow. couple of different roles. Um, it's been my only job since I graduated from university. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you go to school? Um, university of Calgary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I got to ask the question. Oh, I, all right. Here we go. Yeah. 
Curling or hockey? <laughs> I'm hockey for sure. <laughs> Nobody ever picks curling. Nobody ever, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. curling is pretty fun, and I mean, that's a great way to hang out and get to know people, but I mean, hockey's... It's, it's not a serious thing, it can't, is what I mean, she's trying to say. for some people, it's very serious. <laughs> very oh, oh serious. I, I don't doubt that at all. Yes. <laughs> and if you would start doing it, I have a feeling you would take it pretty seriously. I know, you're trying to get me into this. I'm, I am. I'm, I'm I building am. up the courage. All right. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> There's still a chance. There is still a chance. <laughs> So anyways, um, what, what, what do you love about your job? Well, I love working at Trimble because it's a global company, and I love having the opportunity to work with customers all around the world. I mean, surveying is such a diverse profession. I am continually amazed in the environments that ever, the people work in. I mean, whether you're carting a base station in the jungle on the back of a, a mule or you're surveying on a skyscraper, I mean, it's just like the amount of work that... Uh, our, our users ha go through every day yeah. is incredible and so I love being able to work with our solutions to to meet the, those challenges I love when they're like we broke it I'm like yeah. <laughs> okay yep <Yeah. laughs> how can we do better right that's, yeah, that's, that's the best awesome. part <laughs> so you get to play a role in some of that problem solving then absolutely yeah um, yeah, my job is really making sure our software portfolio addresses those needs. And it's the, the way the customer interacts with all of our cool gadgets, right? I mean, we can make incredible GNSS receivers and scanners, but like if the software sucks, no one, nobody wants to use it, right? It'll, it, it won't work for them. So yeah, my job is prioritizing software, working with the different product teams and the developers to make sure that it really is meets their needs and, and right. solves the need makes the the gadgets work the way they're supposed to. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, so it's a pretty technical job, right? Yeah. So what was your like what was your background? Like what what did you get your degree in? Yeah, so my my degree is geomatics engineering. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, okay. yeah, so I studied the I mean, it's it used to be survey engineering. Um, I went through the positioning navigation track, so um, <coughs> I did not, I completed several surveying courses, um, but I also focused a lot on, you know, how we actually understand and compute where we are. On, on Earth, right? So a lot of the satellite positioning technology was where I, um, what I studied and was really interested in and um, GIS factored into that as well. And so when I started at Trimble, I actually worked in the rotation program, um, but I started in the GIS group, so. <laughs> wow, so yeah. you, you had the perfect background for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I like to think so, um, though of course I, uh, the best part is just being able to apply it in a lot of different industries too. So, um, you know, I worked in our agriculture group for a couple of years, mm -hmm. also in land administration, more cadastral work, and now specifically across like all geospatial applications for survey. Mm -hmm. So you kind of play in between all the different departments and yeah, a talk, big, uh, talk a little bit about the challenges that come with that. For sure. I've learned how to be very diplomatic and a good communicator. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, Trimble Access is our main product, and so being able to, and it serves the traditional surveyor, but um, not just not just them in the construction side, and I also manage our SDK, or software development kit, so that's where we're working with developers who are trying to use our functionality and extend that to meet specific applications. So yeah, a big part of it is uh, being able to communicate technical concepts to, uh, to a larger audience and also make it real for them in their application, right? Because you can talk the surveying language, but then, you know, you got to talk the construction language, the ag language, like, um, and then all the way down to just like asset management or just like municipalities, like how do I just make sure I can know where, um, where we put all the stop signs? You know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
That's awesome. So I got to ask you, um, being a female yeah. in a you know obviously male-dominated profession, what? How did you get interested in geomatics? Yeah, so I always grew up like really loving the outdoors. Um, so for me, it was uh, really just. <laughs> I love maps, um, and I've always been very directionally savvy. So, um, and I originally looked at it from a space perspective. Honestly, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to be an astronaut one day, <laughs> or something like that. I don't really have the stomach for it, but um, yeah. So, positional technology was interesting to me. I mean, I went to university and did a general first year of engineering before selecting my degree stream, and I didn't pick geomatics. Um, I had a really hard time. Engineering sucks. It's really hard. Um, and part of that was just, I mean, it, I faced a lot of challenges just feeling like I didn't belong there. I mean, it's really hard to sure. feel like you can take on those, push yourself really hard when you don't see other people in that place yeah. like you, right? So, um, yeah, I went in the geomatics program and immediately found some pretty inspirational women um, who worked in that department. And, uh, yeah, they... I was like, maybe I'll maybe I'll transfer after my first year, but then I really got into it, and I was like, actually, this is the perfect fusion of all the things that I like with wow. the outdoors, with mapping, with um, yeah, just understanding and people's relationship to land also really fascinates me. Um, sure. I worked a lot um, uh, volunteering with Engineers Without Borders, mm -hmm. so looking at how we use technology to solve developing world yeah. problems, so um, and issues, and so for me, it was like. Okay, like cadaster is literally the foundation of how you yep. interact with the land and basis for a lot of like socioeconomic growth. So, surveying seemed like a good pathway into you know, continuing that continuing that passion as well. It really means something to a lot of people. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned something that we uh, we are going to segue into is a okay. very common thing <laughs> that we always ask. Uh, but you mentioned mentors, and yeah. mentoring is a Absolutely. is a common theme on on our show here. It's mm -hmm. a would you like to take an opportunity to, you know, shout out some mentors and tell, sure. talk yeah. about how, what, how that, what that meant to you? For sure, yeah. Uh, I have a, so, I mean, some people who chanted me earlier on in my, in my undergraduate stu student career was uh, Kyle O'Keefe and Mark Petavello, who uh, I went to, uh, my professors, and, you know, I, I failed first year programming. I sucked at it. It was really hard to, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't approach it like learning a language, like you would learn French or Spanish or German. Um, I approached it like, oh, this is just something I have to learn and I'm never going to need this again, right? And uh, after I failed out of that, I had to take it. And of course, programming is prerequisite for all geomatics courses. Right. It's like <laughs> so essential. If you have millions of observations that you need to adjust in a least squares adjustment programming, you don't want to do that by hand. You better automate it in a program, right? So anyway, I went to those guys and was like, hey, I'd like to take your courses. I have to concurrently take programming with like network adjustment, with least squares. Like I'm gonna do them at the same time. Like, will you let me do that concurrently? And they and they were both kind of like, okay, this is crazy. Like, I don't think you're gonna make it through this year, right? <laughs> um, and then I noticed that they had a job opening for a summer programming intern working on a project in the plan group under Gerard LaChapelle. And those guys were like, <laughs> I said, so, after you've given me the approval to now work and take these courses concurrently, which I, I swear to you, I'm going to get good at programming. You have a job opening. Will you like, how about hiring me for the summer? I'd love to be your summer student intern. And I mean, those guys took a chance on me and were like, sure. Yeah. You know, the fact that you're here to ask, like, I'd love to give you that opportunity. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, work on this project. And I got really good at programming. I still don't really like it, but you know, it, it gave me an insight in that summer internship, gave me the opportunity to see 
beyond just like beyond programming actual things in hello world to like this is why we need programming um, to, to really make it valuable in the geomatic space and see more applications so the project i worked on was with autonomous vehicles actually looking at nice. what additional sensors do we need to add on to vehicles to really achieve the accuracy needed for autonomy so mm -hmm. i mean that was an incredible spark of interest and and yeah through those those two guys and who i still work with today on a um, a lot of technology initiatives within the university. Um, I mean, Mark works at Apple, so he's busy with that, but Kyle is still very much entrenched yeah. in, uh, awesome. in, in the university, and I love supporting and giving back. Nice. That's really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. What do you think one of the biggest misconceptions is about surveying? Well, I think that a lot of people think that it's uh, outdoors and you have to physical labor, which it is, but, I mean, the amount of data we're working with now with the sensors, I mean, there's a lot of like intellectual decision-making required to really understand and apply the theory that, I mean, physicality isn't a part of it, mm. any, or it's limited in right. a different way. Um, so I think, and I know, I mean, I was, I had thought the same thing. I mean, I was like, I'm an outdoor person. Of course, I would love to be hiking every day out, the, out in the outdoors and doing that type of work. And that's part of it. But I mean, it's also like, you have to really be, collaborative and understand like what that actually means and then um, when you're looking at that data in the back office be able to translate that into something meaningful so yeah yeah, yeah that's really cool <laughs> so what are you most excited about looking forward maybe the next five years or anything coming down the pipe you can uh, can share Ooh, I love the secrets <laughs> secrets uh, well um, let me think uh, I mean, I think what's really exciting, um, working more on collaborative tools, uh, you know, within Trimble Access has been always like a market leading software that really a lot of people use. And I'm excited to work with other industry partners to really expand that beyond just the Trimble domain and into like working with a, really transcending just our own individual ecosystem into something that's um, much more meaningful and impactful. I mean, we heard from like the Caltrans team, um, our Northeast Link project in Australia. I mean, like we, our customers are solving complex problems that, you know, require infrastructure development that's gonna impact the lives of like thousands and millions of people. And uh, I really love that that challenge, we get to be the foundation of solving that challenge, right? Mm. Like. You can't get to the building, you can't get to all the cool yeah. fancy 3D models without having that geospatial integrity at the beginning. And so I love how you know, we're getting out of our own silos and starting to look at how do we really address these challenges and put aside our differences and do it together. So hmm. that's really exciting for me. It's hard for surveyors to do that. Yes, <laughs> yes, you are siloed folk. <laughs> Typically not the best collaborators. So right. I love what she's saying. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And I'm really impressed with like, as in that's what your career is doing exactly what Kent just said. And it's a, it's a challenging task yeah. to say the least. So yeah, sure. uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Never eat lunch alone. Whoa. Uh, I think that's, and Ooh, I can't even I remember write, I gotta who, write that like, one down. And I'm not, and I don't mean to say that you have to always be on because I used to think that like that meant you always have to be like networking, constantly grinding. But I think what it means is like find a community space and uh, well, you're never alone really. And depending on what you're kind of going through or what you're working on, like sometimes finding a new person to hash that idea out <laughs> over lunch is really uh, yeah. really a great 
bring you a breakthrough, right? When yeah. you're stuck on something. So I yeah. do like that. I like one. that. Mm-hmm. I've not heard that one before. That was <laughs> good. I honestly, oh, good. I've not heard that one. Yes, <laughs> it's and, very and I, I love the reasoning behind it. It makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, back to uh, back to your career at Trimble. We've mm-hmm. uh, we've we've met tons of Trimble folks here, and uh, one thing that we've been asking, and I'm curious on your thoughts, is how, how would you describe the culture? I mean, tr- I. I mean, I work with our, our team in New Zealand, so shout out to all my Kiwis. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, in my career, I've worked uh, with with our office in France, Germany, uh, yeah, of course, New Zealand. Um, our whole team in Latin America. I mean, I love how everyone comes together, regardless of what language you speak, to really address like how, yeah, how can how can we really get to the heart of the situation? And uh, so. My favorite part is is that internationalism mm. that comes through. Um, I speak a couple of different languages. Um, I, yeah, working, uh, traveling to go see all those different locations. Um, that's been a big part of it. Um, but also, I, I like the the philanthropy that Trimble is engaging in. I think we often undersell how involved we are in big ticket items for our entire globe, whether it be sustainability, climate change down to, I mean, I'm talking about like land administration again, but um, down to, you know, people's relationship with the land, like that's a really important, those are really intrinsic values that, you know, from, that Trimble is solving those solutions with, uh, with real things. So uh, I, I like being able to contribute to that. I'm not just like a tech person. I yeah. also have like a yep. moral code and I'm able to like feel Feel comfortable doing that every day. That's great. That's great. Really good stuff. Uh, Anything else, Stephanie, you want to get out there that we haven't brought up or something? Uh, You just spoke at a little presentation, right? What was that all about? Oh, it was about our SDK, actually. Yeah, software development kit. Yeah, because I'm really like pro. I mean, I see a lot. I work a lot with um, different students through either internship program or hiring um, early career. Uh, And I'm really excited seeing. the new young professionals coming in the workplace. Uh, there's so much demand for increasing jobs in our profession. And uh, yeah, the SDK I see is one way where we can really leverage a new skill set uh, with graduates having, being much more um, location literate, understanding geospatial tech just intrinsically because they carry it in their pocket everywhere. Um, but then also being able to action it with real coding experience. Um, much better coders than me uh, and uh, and so yeah part of that is the yeah the SDK is one way that I'm looking to see more people young people especially engage with with Trimble and collaborate with us to solve solve those new challenges and those big ones too you are speaking our language yeah, <laughs> yeah Great. no doubt yeah. well thank you so much for taking the time to join us I know it's the end of the yes. day probably a little worn out by now but man i got a lot more to go today oh geez okay (laughs) oh this is great we're getting started yeah yeah well thank you again yes thank you thank you to our 2022 friends of the program advanced geodetic survey agsgps.com airworks airworks airworks.io bad elf bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com, North Star Surveying, 
NorthstarSurveying.com, ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us, TopoDot, New.Certainty3D.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, Geospatial.Trimble.com.